Regardless of how we find ourselves in the world of divorce, the one thing we have complete control over is how we behave from here on out. We have two choices. One is to remain stuck in the stories, the anger and pain. And the other is to take a breath, adjust our sail to the wind, and work harder than ever before to create a new story for our children, for ourselves, and for the world around us. It's your choice, your work, but I'll be in your corner. Welcome to In Your Corner Divorce Podcast. My name is Carly Israel, and I am your host. Today, I have the privilege of talking with Dr. Tara Egan. Dr. Tara is is a Charlotte parenting coach, adolescent psychologist, the author of two books, Better Behavior for Ages 2 through 10, and Adolescence, A Parent's Guide, which I'm 100% getting. She has nearly 20 years of experience in this field, is dedicated to her clients and their families, is a wife, ex-wife, mother, stepmother, a clinician, colleague, author, and a public speaker. I am honored to have you, Dr. Tara. Tara, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Carly. Um, Before we get into the good stuff from the professional angle, will you tell me a little bit about how your divorce from your first husband ended up leading you into the coaching business and what you learned from that? Well, I have had a mental health background for a long time, certainly prior to my divorce. So I already had the mindset going in and the training to support parents in a general sense. And so I supported parents who have children who struggle behaviorally and Throughout my own process of going through a divorce, and it just sort of evolved where when I came across a family where the kids were exhibiting some sort of behavioral issue or emotional issue as a result of divorce, you know, I'd been there, done that. You know, I had had seen the symptoms, you know, maybe the, the disruption in schedule, the increase in anger you know, difficulty collaborating when it came to discipline or schooling. And so my divorce, you know, we've had some strong moments of sort of high conflict and really having to work through and become functional co-parents. And so it it was really an opportunity for me to help parents prevent getting to that point. And I think that is a real strength of mine, as well as, all right, you're at that point. You're at the point where you have very little trust you are really struggling to communicate, there's accusations, and what are we going to do to just get back to a baseline level of functioning? So I do think that clients feel reassured when they understand that I relate to it. Like I'm not going to minimize the distress they feel. I'm not going to sacrifice their sense of privacy when it comes to like their new families. Sometimes when there is a new marriage that takes place, the ex-spouse can really struggle to keep respectful of the boundaries that need to happen to keep that relationship healthy and to role model appropriate um, kind of family unity for the children. So I think that's something where I tell parents, like, you could tell me whatever you want. I'm not one of those um, divorce coaches or parent coaches where if you're any communication, we all three of us have to have, and it has to be completely transparent, Sometimes you got to say a concern, you say it, but recognize that just because you said it doesn't mean like, I'm going to do exactly what you want. I am going to put it in context of the overall picture and my understanding of your kid and their development. But I do want them to have free reign to communicate with me if they have a concern. Because sometimes when it's all three of us and people are generally trying, trying to use respectful language or not have accusations, it just gets so muddied. And so sometimes I'm like, just tell me what it is that your concern is. Just tell me directly, don't be tactful. And then I can assess the situation. And I always tell parents, like, I'm transparent. If, if one parent says something that I'm concerned about, I'm going to ask you. There's not going to be a point when you're wondering, oh, is Tara siding with my ex? Does she think I'm not a good parent and she's not telling me? Like, I never want parents to feel that way. So... Yeah. So it's, it's definitely as the years go by and I'm 10 years out from my divorce. So I have a perspective of this like long-term relationship where we've been co-parenting now, just as long as we were married. How old are your children now? 
so I have, um, well, my biological children, I have a 15 year old and a 13 year old. That you had with your husband? Your with first my husband. first husband. Yep. And then I have, I'm remarried and we have, I have four stepchildren. So my second husband and I have not had children together. Yeah. Whenever one asked me if we were going to, I was like, expletive, no. Like we are all done. We, we have six physical together, total three and three, like the Brady Bunch, but like, no, thank you. Yeah. Um, I definitely need to have you on for a blended family discussion because that is a whole nother bucket. But um, will you tell me and explain to me and the listeners, who do you, who are your clients? Are the parents your client? Is the whole family your client? Like, who do you sit in front of? Because I know that you have the mental health background, but as a coach, who are your clients? So I definitely relate more to being a therapist than a coach. So I provide parent coaching services, but as a therapist. And so that the term parent coaching just means that I'm, I have expertise in parenting strategies. You're a therapist that knows how to coach parents in divorce stuff. Right. So, and I sort of have two specialty areas. One is helping parents navigate technology and social media and having kids learn how to use that in a moderate way. And then my second specialty area is working with parents who are trying to co-parent through a separation or divorce. So my clients in those cases where there's a separation or divorce, most of the time are the parents. Ideally, we would have both parents be involved. I usually start by going and doing an observation of the kids in in both homes. So I go to mom's house and I go to dad's house and I do an observation and the kids meet me. They see that I'm friendly. They know that I'm involved and we're helping the family communicate and kind of get stuff done. Because that's one of the things that ends up being a barrier to the kids or is, excuse me, is just when are we going to decide whether or not I can play soccer? Yeah. You know, like, so a lot of stuff can be drawn out unnecessarily. So they understand like I'm here to facilitate decision-making and make their life smoother. So I go and do that observation and see the dynamics within each house because each home has its own culture. And I'm very respect, uh, respectful of the privacy that needs to be maintained within those homes. So, and also I feel like parents are more invested in my recommendations when they know I know their child, mm-hmm. because one of the primary weaknesses of having a lawyer involved is they almost never meet the kids. They don't have the clinical training to assess, you know, where's this child at developmentally? They don't necessarily factor in the school performance, whether or not they have a mental health aspect, whether there's health variables, the greater context of is their grandparents in that child's life? Is their best friend live next door? Um, Are they super into, you know, training for some really competitive soccer team or whatever? So I get the privilege of getting to know those kids as people in their own entities. And so when I'm giving recommendations to parents, they know I know their kids. And I think that gives a lot of buy-in. Yeah. So will you tell me, do you normally start with the couple because they don't know if they want to stay together and then they're like, we need your help? Or do they come to you because they need your help? I am not a marriage counselor. Mm -hmm. So most of the time the parents have already decided to separate. So they might've gone to marriage counseling and determined that they're going to separate, even if it's temporary. I mean, some are still working on their marriage and they haven't completely decided whether they're divorcing, but they still need to co-parent. Yes. And so oftentimes the referrals come from either lawyers or marriage therapists. And they know that I go into the home and they know that my client, my client, is the child, but I'm working with the parents. Does that make sense? Yes. So you asked me earlier, who's my client? The people that I work with and I'm interacting with is usually the parent, but they understand I'm advocating for the child. The best interest of the child. Yeah. So I'm not like a hired gun for mom. Right. Exactly. And my whole, the whole coaching that I believe in and the whole reason why I have this podcast is because I believe there is another way to do divorce and that it doesn't, I always need to make this clear. We're going to mess up our kids because we're human and they're human and life's going to happen. We don't have to mess them up because of our divorce. We can mess them up for other reasons that happen, right? Because it's life. But I want to make everyone understand that we have a choice to not, you know, and even if you have a high conflict divorce, so like if you have one parent, which I've worked with 
where one parent wants to have a North Star divorce. One parent wants it to be easy on the children and the other parent is angry and doesn't want to work with them. What I explain to them is you still can do all the, the tools that I'm going to offer you and all of the work because you get to, in front of your children, take the high road and do all the things that they need, even if the other parent can't. Mm-hmm. Um, what point do you see in counseling couples that you can't help them? Or is that? Oh, never there, yeah, that never happens because That's sometimes awesome. it, sometimes it happens where a one parent doesn't want to be involved. That's and so I mean. then I'm working with the other parent and we work on, you know, how can you communicate with your ex in a healthy way? How can you manage your own frustration and anger? What type of messages can you send to your kids as far as how they can keep healthy boundaries and not take some of this personally? We never want a kid to think, oh, if I were just a better kid, my parents would be able to navigate this divorce more successfully. Like right. we want kids to understand that it's just not about them. It's about the, the, the failures of their parents and for them to be able to step away from taking some sort of personal, having personal shame or looking at it as a reflection of their value. So there's, so when it comes to working with one of the parents, you know, like I'm coaching them and how you can create this healthy communication with your kids, because sometimes parents will see that their co-parent maybe is demonstrating a lack of emotional responsiveness or a lot of anger or um, really sabotaging aspects of the child's life to harm the other parent. And And there's different messages. You can send a message like, you know, your other parent is worthless and they don't care about you and they're just so selfish. Or you can explain, you know, hon, this isn't really about you. And I really want to focus on what we can control here. And it might be that we don't get mom or dad's permission for you to be on this soccer team, but what are we going to do to have you feel good about your sports life and feel like you're, you know, hanging out with your friends and getting exercise and like, let's focus on what we can control because we don't want to spend a lot of energy feeling grief and loss. Right. And so having parents learn how to communicate with their kids, ideally both parents would do that. But if only one does, that's still of high value. Yes. One thing I wanted to say to you, because I've listened to several of your episodes, is um, I love this idea of the North Star divorce. I think it's fantastic. And I think it's such a great term that parents can hold on to that gives like the imagery and, you know, just that brief phrasing that they can focus on. However, regardless of whether you have an amicable divorce or it's high conflict, there is always one parent who is more tolerant of the children being uncomfortable. Mm. You know, they're, they're the parent who's more okay with a kid missing out on an opportunity, who's more okay with having their child be physically uncomfortable because they have to transition from one house to the other. Like, and, and so when you're the parent who has the lower tolerance for kids being uncomfortable, it's tempting to always say, okay, I'm going to accommodate. I'm going to, I'm going to compromise here because I don't want the child to experience unnecessary discomfort. And what can happen in that situation is one, you may be demonstrating an attitude towards your kids of capitulating all the time and not really advocating. They don't get to see you standing up. Right. And some kids can feel very forsaken Mm. when their parent is always like, well, you know, dad's going to get super mad if we do that. So, you know, let's just keep the peace, keep your head down, you know, and, and we don't necessarily always want to give that message. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we want to teach them, you know what, this isn't a hill to die on, you know, like work it out, move on. This isn't, you're not a victim here. I'm so glad you brought that up because um, that's so important that you talked about that. That is definitely not um, what I advocate for either. I, one of the things that's, that's the most important for me with my children, my three boys is to teach them to use their voice. And like you said, there's certain areas that are just not worth fighting about. And there's certain ones you need to use your voice for. And this is how I would suggest doing it. And Mm -hmm. here's the tools I'd like to provide for you. And they see that with me and their father as well, because there's certain areas I'm like, okay, just because I don't want to have an issue. And then there's certain areas where I will stand. And I'm sure you've seen this a lot with COVID. Like it has caused a lot of problems Mm -hmm. in homes that, you know, are, are like ours because now you're throwing a pandemic and all of the fear and anxiety and no school and no events. And you've got all of us trying to figure out what's the right choice and with blended families and going back and forth. And 
there were times where I had to put my foot down in order to make a smart choice for our children. And like you said, I really like that you pointed out that there's always one parent with a, with a higher threshold for the child being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And that's so important because my real goal for my children is that they grow up to become people who can use their voice and stand up for others. So if they can't do that for themselves, then they're screwed. And they're not going to be able to do it for themselves unless they they see you doing it. Yes. And one of the things that I work on with parents when I work with them individually is helping them navigate when is it time to draw a line in the sand and when do you let it go? Because there's definitely parents who will die on every hill. Mm -hmm. They will get caught up in what the principle of it is and to the detriment detriment of the kids or it just kind of makes them look foolish. Mm -hmm. And or the amount of energy they spent arguing about it is triple the amount of time it would have been if you just go ahead and call and make that dentist appointment just because right. you know, your ex-wife was supposed to do it and she didn't and she dropped the ball and you're going to send 17 emails prompting them because it's their turn to call the dentist to make the appointment when you could just call or say, hey, if you don't make the dentist appointment by Friday, I'm going to go ahead and do it. Um, and then Friday comes and there's no dentist appointment and you go ahead and make the call and you move on with your life. Right. And so there's a lot of times when my work with that sing- single parent who's working with me consists of figuring that out and focusing on what they can control. Mm. So I've worked with, I think, three high conflict couples this week with varying personalities, you know, tolerance for, um, like I said, the, the uncomfortable moments with the ch- children, kids with varying ages and, and abilities. And that was, I think, a theme with every single call of like, what can you control? And another thing that I know with parents who are separated or divorced is, you know, this is a person you were married to. This is a person you valued their opinion at one time and you valued it like, and you valued how they viewed you. Mm -hmm. And there can be a lot of energy put towards trying to convince this co-parent that you are a good parent, that you are trying to keep their relationship strong with the kids, that you are making decisions based on what you believe to be best interest. And they will almost like plead and present their case, get really defensive, go back to emails and recite them line by line, give evidence to all the times they've been flexible. And sometimes I'm like, you have to be at peace with the fact that this person may not respect you. Right. I care about your opinion. They might die being angry at you. Yeah. And you have to stop looking to them for approval. Like you have to stop needing them to respect you. You have to focus on what are you doing that you feel is in your kid's best interest and get help with it. Don't, don't make those decisions by yourself. If you don't have an effective co-parent, get a therapist, you know, get a parent coach. There's times when my role is to help parents like have somebody to bounce some ideas around. Like these are good, competent parents. It's not that they're coming to me with their kids necessarily in significant distress, but they're trying to figure out like, gosh, should I change my kid's school? What are the pros and cons? And, you know, either decision is going to be fine, but they just are going to feel more comfortable with that decision if they feel like they have another person on their team who's knowledgeable and invested and I always want my clients to know, like, I'm invested in their kids. Yeah. Like, I understand they're not my own children, but I know what, it, you know, my clients do not love their children any less than I love mine. Mm-hmm. And so if they need me to be a support system to pose some questions or things to think about or to benefit from my experience, not only as a divorced mother, but as a parent coach and a therapist, like, let's do that. And, but that might be a better way for you to get what you need when it comes to making decisions and having emotional support than to keep looking to an ex who can take your vulnerability and potentially use it against you. That is so empowering to hear you talk about that. I have one more question about parents and then I want to switch focus to to the kids because that is really so interesting to me. If you were sitting in front of a couple virtually or not, and they were like, we are ready to get a divorce. We know that this is the path we want to take. Are there two or three items that you would tell them based on your experience that you think are really important to add to their shared parenting plan? 
Well, there's a whole bunch of things. So let's take money off the table. Oh, yeah. Money. Obviously, that's got to be negotiated. So it's figuring out what it means to be flexible. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I caution parents about, especially with kids, you know, all kids are approaching adolescence. It's just the timing. You know, if you're getting divorced when your kid's three, that's different when you're getting divorced when your kid's 10 or 16. But if you have so much flexibility in your schedule that there is a lot of room for arguing and accusations about why aren't you being more accommodating? Like you don't understand how important this event is to my family or my kids. You know, you're, and, and it just turns into an argument all the time. Then your agreement needs to be more tight than that. It needs to be more structured. And another thing is when parents have a really fluid schedule where the child is determining the visitation schedule, right? So they're like, I want to go to mom's this weekend. Oh. And then they go couple things. One is usually kids develop a dynamic with their parent where they really struggle to learn conflict resolution kids or conflict resolution skills because they just tap out whenever things get hard. So even if your co-parent is supportive of your consequences, so let's say you have, let's say your son, you know, breaks a rule and you take away their cell phone and you, he says, well, fine, I'm going to dad's. And you text your ex and you say, hey, just so you know, he lost his cell phone because of this or that. And dad says, got it. Totally cool with that. And he, son comes to dad's house and he's like, buddy, listen, your mom said you lost your phone. That rule stands here, right? Okay, that's pretty ideal. However, the kid still is just going to avoid mom until he's cooled off enough or maybe even until the punishment is over. And so I really think it's important for parents to have visitation that's structured enough where it allows kids or it requires kids to persist through the tough moments because at the end of the day they need to be able to do that in order to have healthy relationships in a general sense but also healthy relationships with their parent because obviously your parent-child relationship is going to exist well beyond childhood so that's one thing can i say another that i love that so um we're going to put aside anyone who's obviously in an abusive situation. Right. We're just talking about regular situation. With my youngest, he is very emotional. He's like an emo bomb. And he would call in the beginning crying on FaceTime about something that happened at dad's house. And he'd want me to come get him. And I, I knew that that was not something I wanted to set up because, like you just said, it was not going to allow him and his father to learn how to work through it. And he, his new tool was just going to be, I'm leaving, which is not something I want to teach my child as a grown up to leave when it's hard. It's emotionally and, manipulative too. Yes. Will you explain that a little bit? So when you use a threat of like, a, especially like a withdrawal of love, like mm. I'm not going to come here anymore, or, you know, I'm going to go live with mom or I'm going to go live with dad. If you don't give me what I want, then you know, you're sort of putting your parent in this position where you're like, you know, blackmailing them or threatening them, you know, that I'm going to deny access to me because you're not doing what what I want. And oftentimes the co-parent completely falls right into that. Like, well, he doesn't want to see you, so I'm not going to make him. Or, well, if you want to have your son visit you, then you need to cultivate a healthier relationship. But meanwhile, they're on the, on the sidelines. Um, saying, honey, you don't need to go back there. You're right. The fact that your dad took your cell phone or turned off your video games at 10 p.m., poor you. And sometimes they're doing that just to be the favored parent. Sometimes they're doing that because they really do believe the the co-parents' rules are too strict. I just feel like parents, and like I said, like you mentioned, we're not talking about abusive parents or parents who are on drugs or things like that, just regular old parents, um, should have the freedom to make some rules within their own home and not feel like their child is going to flee every time it gets, it gets a little hairy. Another thing is, is when kids have the ability to decide who they're going to spend time with, they will just pick the parent that's who's doing the cooler thing that day. Or who lets them have more digital time. Exactly. And so what can happen is then you have, and it's pretty rare that couples have an equal financial standing. 
right? Mm -hmm. There's almost always, oftentimes the dad, but not always, has a higher financial standing. And so they have the opportunity to go on vacation to Hawaii or have a trampoline in their backyard or have a pool or whatever it is, whatever it is. And so it can be a situation where one parent legitimately is doing cooler things all the time. And then it's presented to the other parent who maybe has less opportunities. Well, you're going to deny. Yeah. These are her you're not going to let them go on the vacation with me. Mm -hmm. Like how selfish are you? Uh-huh. And so um, with my children, we have that scenario a bit. And I have to say, you know, my ex-husband has always been very respectful. Like we respect each other's time. And if you, if he wants the kids to go to Hawaii, he's going to schedule Hawaii on his time. Yes. He's not going to schedule it in my time. And then be like, man, isn't it a bummer? You can't come because your mom's so inflexible. And, yeah. doesn't and I know couples like that. And so what I say to them, they're like, how am I supposed to handle that? And I say exactly what you just said. Tell your kids because your kid, they're using your kids as that I am more than happy and excited for you to go to Hawaii when it's dad's time. And I hope you guys can find a great week or whatever to go to because mm -hmm. like you said, having the child get to, that choice is insane. And it's not fair to the child. I have a question for you as a follow-up. If your child is being emotionally manipulative and says those things like, I want to go to dad's or I want to go to mom's because you're not doing this. What do you coach your clients to say in that moment to help give them conflict resolution skills that um, will help, keep them in that moment together because you don't want your child fleeing just because they're upset. Well, some of it is if, if they're upset with your co-parent and they're like, mom, come pick me up. It's your job to say, honey, no, it's dad's time and you need to work it out with dad. And here's some words I suggest that you use or, or take a break from each other, you know, get some time to cool down and then approach him or just even deal with your punishment. Like you got punished right. and it's hard, but you're going to be okay. Right. Um, another thing is, is if that happens a lot, it's really important to get a counselor. You might only need to work with that counselor twice a month, three or four months, but sometimes it can be really hard to be the parent and try to be counseling them on all these strategies. And so that's a conflict of roles. And sometimes it can be really hard too for parents to set a boundary. So let's say, you know, your daughter goes to their dad's house and there's some sort of drama that happens there because maybe he has a certain rule that she doesn't like. So then she keeps calling your phone and texting you. And sometimes I have to say to the parent, like, you know, your parent, your co-parent is fine. Like, right. They might not handle They're exactly safe. the way, right. yeah, but your child is They're safe. They're getting abusive. Like, it's okay to send a text and say, honey, I'm so sorry you're having a tough time thinking of you. I'm at work. I'll check in later. And literally stop answering those texts. Yes. Because you're not doing any favors by keeping your kid drawn into the drama. And as a parent who has kids, there's times when I have to teach them, your cell phone that is provided by a parent needs to be used appropriately. Mm -hmm. One of the ways that is inappropriate use is you texting your other parent and dragging them into a situation that kind of has nothing to do with them. Mm -hmm. So there's times when just saying like, I did not get you a cell phone. So you could text me 50 times because your dad turned off your Xbox at 10 <laughs> o'clock. Like this is a misuse of your phone. Yes. So if we, when you and dad start to argue, if you're going to start firing off all these texts, then you need to take a 15 minute break or a 30 minute break from your phone. You're not mm -hmm. going to deny them access to the other parent, right. but you are going to enforce a breathing time. Yeah. And so that doesn't go well if one parent, if both parents don't agree with it, but sometimes it needs to be implemented of like, this is a misuse of your phone. Yeah. You know, you're, you're starting a lot of drama because you can't accept the no. And so from what you're saying, it sounds like one of the things that you would highly recommend in the shared parenting plan is a very clear schedule. Yeah, I, I, I would. And weddings and funerals are exceptions. Obviously, yeah. Um, when it comes to really amazing trips, like, um, like my family, my husband's, uh, my second husband is Greek and he has a home, like a family home in Greece. So we have a goal of in a couple of years, as the kids are getting into high school to take all the kids, we don't want to go for my one week. Like mm -hmm. we do week on week off. That's too long of a trip. Like we want to go yeah. and spend at least two weeks, maybe three. So 
I'm hopeful that when I communicate about that with my ex, he's going to recognize like the cultural significance of this. A trip of a lifetime is obviously very expensive to get us all over there. And we want to have a nice combination of, of meeting his family, his extended family who hasn't, he hasn't seen in a long time, as well as taking advantage of tourist events. So like that's not going to be done in six or seven days. Right. So in that situation, it's not done impulsively. Yes. Be you let them know a year schedule. ahead of time. Absolutely. And, you, and you, you compromise on each side. You can have them extra on this side. You can Absolutely. have them on this side. Mm-hmm. And he might say, all right, well, I'll take them. You take them for three weeks and I'll take them for three weeks. Or he might say, all right, well, the summer prior to that, we'll go to Europe. Like right. any of that is fine. Right. And so those types of things you don't want to be inflexible on yes. because it's such a huge incident of your kid missing out but you don't need to be shifting the the schedule every time you know they decide to go to the beach for the weekend right on your time you just don't right so that makes sense pretty clear structured schedule with the flexibility of life events and really great opportunities Mm -hmm. but most of the time we keep everything very very my kids even though we have we're mondays and tuesdays me wednesdays and thursdays their dad and then we switch weekends they know their days of the week, so they know where they are, but they always ask, where am I this weekend? And no matter what I do, <laughs> we've had calendars and everything, they're just, they're in another land. Like, mm-hmm. and they're not anxious about it. They, they, we live four blocks away. It's just like, where are we? Like, they just want to know where they're going. And if you don't have that consistency, then it becomes really confusing for them. Yeah, it, it does. And I think that when kids ask, sometimes it's just like a routine, like it's part of their, it's just a little reassurance to, to hear the parent repeat the schedule. It's not necessarily an indicator that they're confused or overwhelmed by it. Um, you know, oftentimes there's sort of keywords we say to their ki- our kids when they transition to the other parent, you know, we say, I love you, see you in four days, you know, whatever it is. Another thing I think you know, you mentioned some key things to have in the agreement is I do think there should be agreement about technology usage. Please, please talk to me. By the way, I'm already, and I'm sure all the listeners are thinking this too. I already wrote down on a separate page that I'm going to hire you for the social media digital stuff because mm-hmm. no parent that's in this generation of parenting has ever done this before. I right. predict that in 20 years, they're going to talk about our parenting generation like we do about our parents who used to drive in the car with smoke with a cigarette and tab and no car seat. No car seat. Yeah. And I, I need your help. So I'm going to, do you recommend before we get into this? Cause I'm so interested. Do you recommend both parents? Cause my co-parent would be happy to do it together. Cause it will only, it'll work better when we're together. Would it work for you if we both did it together? Oh, right? that would be perfect. So I'm a therapist that's licensed in North Carolina. However, when it comes to the social media stuff, that is purely a coaching service. Awesome. So that I am able to extend beyond North Carolina. Like I have that as a separate business. Parents understand that I'm not providing therapy, but I'm really giving personal research-based recommendations on how they can balance um, technology. How can usage. my listeners get, I'm going to put it in the, in the episode links. Should you'll send me a link of how they can do that because you're going to get a lot of contact. Well, so I'll tell you now and you can put it in the okay. website for the coaching side and you'll see like information about my cop podcast and my books and public right. speaking things is www.drtaraegan.com. So it's Dr. D-R, Tara, T-A-R-A, Egan, E-G-A-N. And there's, we're just starting to formulate our coaching packages because it's happened so off the cuff. Yeah. I'm realizing the need for it. I also have a webinar that parents can purchase, download, and it goes through what are the developmental impacts of technology and social media? What are the common platforms? How do you decide on what appropriate screen time is? How do you decide what the quality of the technology you expose your kids to? So for some parents who are kind of technical themselves, if they want to do it on their own time frame, bit by bit, that's also a helpful resource. So well, there's I'm a couple contacting ways. you. I promise you because I have three boys and like everyone else in the universe right now, the digital and COVID has, is killing us. So we are right. desperately in need of your help. So please well, tell me what you would add for the, the digital. So I think some of it is there should be a clause in there that makes it flexible. Like where you say, okay, here's some basic things that we're going to follow. Like for example, 
kids will not get a cell phone prior to fifth grade or whatever it is that's pertinent for them. Like if your kids are involved in a lot of sports or there's time that they're away from parents, like maybe they spend a lot of time at a childcare facility or they um, do some traveling or, you know, they're, they're on a way, an away bus for a sport or something. So I don't want to give you like, you shouldn't get a cell phone to a certain age because right. it really matters what's happening in a kid's life. But there probably can be in a general agreement because it's very upsetting when one parent thinks, okay, you know, that this is kind of like a middle school privilege and the other parents getting the kid a cell phone in second grade. Like that is way too big of a discrepancy and it's only going to cause distress for the child because one parent is going to be openly resentful. So I think there's that. And then there's talking about things like making sure that there's parent controls on things. That is often a source of a lot of um, not just discord, but actually dangerous situations for kids where we have one parent who has a laptop or an iPad or something in their house and they have parental controls and they're using a lot of the resources like time limits and things like that. And then you have another parent who's like completely free with it, or they just don't understand what is even out there to protect their kids. Or they're not paying attention. They're yeah, just... or they're not paying attention. And so in that situation, you might just say like, okay, we're going to have one iPad that goes back and forth to the child's house, you know, to both houses. And so we only have one to monitor and we can both have access to it. And if one parent's a little stronger at monitoring it, that's great. You can have, you know, we should all take advantage of our strengths when it comes to parenting. Um, and another thing is I think it should be in there that par- that kids do not have access to adult um, devices. So you saw me rolling my eyes, but no one else can see it. And what <laughs> I have to tell you is I have three boys and they're 14, 13 and 11. And so from the two youngest, I had to remove Google and Safari from their phones because they're literally not capable of not searching things that they're not supposed to search, yep. no matter what my parent controls are, mm-hmm. because they're actually digitally smarter than I am. Yep. And they know how to secret looking at things. So like, I just had to take it away. Just like I wouldn't allow my kid in the 1980s watch porn on TV in our family room. I have to do that. So please. Well, on my podcast, I have an episode with um, a sex addiction therapist and it talks about the risk of yeah, a teenage boy, not just boys. I don't even want to say that, but teenagers having access to pornography and what the negative impacts are. So, you know, that's, that's the reality we have right now as parents is the access that kids have to pornography and how, depending on what's going on in their environment, as far as other stressors or genetic makeup or opportunity, you know, it really can cause them to fall down a hole of dependence on pornography. And we as parents need to do everything we can to protect them. So I think having parents understand they have to use parental controls. If you have the money to invest in getting your kid an iPhone or a new Chromebook or an iPad, you have the money to invest in getting programs, whether it's Bark or Pact or you know whatever your um, phone provider, your cell phone provider offers in terms of that, like that needs to be part of the responsibility. So you actually recommend putting that in the shared agreement because in our day and age, this is a reality. It is a reality. And so, so much stress is um, fostered in kids who don't have appropriate supervision. Like, it's not Mm -hmm. just a matter of like, oh, my kid saw porn. Like, that's, you know, that's not great. But also we know that kids who are exposed to that type of material have much higher rates of anxiety, self-esteem problems, shame Yes. Um, oh, so, shame. My son was like, just take my phone. I'm like, that's not a good choice. Like we're going to, we're going to walk through this. You know, that idea that there's so many layers to this. And I want my listeners to know the podcast that Tara is talking about. It's called one day you'll thank me, which I love the name of it. <laughs> and you are, created this with your daughter, correct? So my daughter, yes, is a high schooler and so cool. she, she and I do it together. So it's, the audience is primarily parents. Like it's a pretty intellectual podcast. Yes. And we have a combination of solo episodes where she and I discuss some topic. topic. And, you know, she, she, she has to research it. Sometimes I'm like, you read, need to read this article or you need to read these pages out of this book so you can get informed. We define usually some sort of topic or, or vocabulary that needs to be understood in the episode. We give examples. And sometimes the examples are from real life. Sometimes they're from like even a relatable TV show. 
Um, so we have those solo episodes between Anna and myself. And then we also, in over 50% of the episodes, interview an expert. So yeah. it's somebody who has licensure in something. They're a licensed therapist. We've had an occupational therapist. We've had a pediatrician. We've had a licensed teacher, um, the sex addiction therapist, a DEA agent. Um, we have a divorce lawyer coming up. Like there's a lot of variety and it's really designed to give very practical suggestions for parents on a particular topic. So we have an uh, eating disorder specialist so coming up. So badly. She's amazing. And so um, with me being in this, you know, doing this work for so long, I am blessed with so many wonderful, talented colleagues and I want parents to benefit from it. Yeah. So yeah, the podcast is called One Day You'll Thank Me. It I is love that title. I'm going to be, I'm subscribing. I'm going to be a listener and a fan. Oh, I appreciate that. For your information. Um, I wanted to ask you a, a question because we're almost out of time, but I want for 1000% you're coming back on. I don't care what you say. <laughs> I will. I, I want just, there's like two other episodes I need. One for blended families and one just straight up about social media because every single person is listening that needs your help. My question for you is directly about kids. And what have you learned in your practice that parents need to hear that we need to know this is what's happening to kids negatively when you're making these choices because you're not letting go of your stuff and you know, you're stuck. What are you seeing in the beginning? You talked about that you were seeing, you know, kids exhibiting behavior issues, emotional issues. What kind of, what are you seeing in our, in our kids that we can't see? I think a lot of it is anxiety. Can you talk up a little bit? There you go. Perfect. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of it is anxiety. So sometimes in kids, anxiety can look like traditional anxiety, right? Where they're nervous, they're fearful, they're clinging. Other times where you see anxiety in the form of sleeplessness or some physical characteristics like stomach aches or headaches. We can see it in the form of lethargy. And we can oftentimes see it in the form of like anger and irritability. So sometimes these are kids who are just kind of are complainers and they're sort of seem miserable all the time and they feel like they're unlucky and sometimes they're attention seeking in negative ways and I think that for kids who have high conflict parents you know this is a symptom that we're seeing that can demonstrate how stressed out they are and kids in divorce pretty much do as well as the parents the parents are kind of like yes this is a change but it's going to be okay or you know we're going to keep to your routine we're going to keep a positive outlook. We're going to communicate together. There's going to be some things that are harder than others, but I feel like we've got this. Versus a parent who's angry and overwhelmed and not getting the support they need and talking incessantly about how broke they feel or, you know, discussing the fact that their partner had an affair or, and just bringing in a lot of adult words and adult feelings, kids are going to get extraordinarily stressed out by that. And also, too, is to extend that to those expectations for the people who your kids have contact with. So sometimes like mom or dad won't be negative about the co-parent because you know, we know that rule, we're told by our lawyers to not do that. But then grandma comes over and trashes dad or- Oh, that is one, so I only have two rules and that's one of my rules, not only obvious, you're not allowed to talk badly about the other parent, that's just an idiot move, right? The other one with that, that one rule is if you hear someone else within earshot of your child, it happened to my child. He called me hysterical. Someone in my, my ex's family was looking at pictures and I was in one of the pictures and she said, "Ugh, we need to delete that one. And my son was there and that broke his little heart and he was hysterical and I empathized with him. And I talked about how like that must've been so hard to hear. And this is why we don't say mean things about other people, but that is such a great reminder to me. Like, it's my responsibility as the co-parent to shut that down because it's going to harm my kids, whether it comes from my mouth or someone else's. I had, um, after my husband and I separated, and I think it was our first Christmas apart, and I had invited my parents to come for Christmas. You know, I lived in North Carolina. They lived in New York. And my mom was really grumpy about the fact that during the visit, the kids were going to go and see their dad. They were going to go and spend the rest of Christmas day with him because that was, it was his time, right? Our best interest. 
And she was very like, well, just disgruntled about that. And I basically said like, mom, if you can't come and be gracious about it and like wish them off to their dad of having a good time. And then when they come home and share information about the gifts they received being admiring and sending the message of having a grateful heart, then, you know, you, you might, this might not be the right Christmas for you to come. She was so offended. She didn't come. She actually never came again until she, you know, then she died. But it was like this hurdle kept her from spending Christmas with her grandchildren because she couldn't commit to just being gracious. And in addition to it being the right, like the, the kind, respectful thing to do, I had no uh, negative feelings myself about them spending time with their dad. Like I thought of that as a win, like, okay, one of the tiny little, you know, benefits of having divorce in your family is you get more presents. Like, let's let them enjoy this. And right. they'll go to their dads. I'll tidy up the house. Yeah. You know, they'll come back and they'll enjoy their gifts. And I, you know, they'll get to see their grandparents. And I just looked at it as a win. I'm not saying I wasn't going to miss them. Right. But it was going to be okay. And so. And that information didn't need to be go to your children because they didn't think it was a negative either. Why make it But negative? if an adult that loves them is saying that it's a negative, then they're going to be confused. Mm -hmm. And so and then my they, duty was to yeah. protect my kids and honestly be respectful of my ex-spouse more than my loyalty to my parents. And that was very hurtful to her. She felt like, well, he's out. So of course you're going to default to prioritizing us and our wishes. And I was like, no, it doesn't work like that just because we're separated. Like it just doesn't. Do I you know, I don't know that my ex would have necessarily done the same thing for me. I think maybe he would have, but it just kind of didn't matter. And in that moment, I had to be the barrier to them hearing that type of stuff from other family members. And I've never tolerated it. And my family's always taken my lead on it. Um, that boundary has always been very firm. And I love so, what you said about committing to being gracious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And kids see that. And, and there's going to be times maybe that your kids do, like you had that situation of a family member saying, we got to delete that picture. My, my kids have had that experience too. And then sometimes they come back and tell me and I'm just like, yeah, you know, it's okay. Now I'm not everybody's cup of tea and they don't necessarily need to understand me. Whereas if I'm right. like, what? Right. They said that about me? Yeah. Don't they understand that I'm your mother? And, you know, like I've uh -huh. really gone down that road. Like, you know how important I am to you. I'm your mom. Yeah. I'm going to be your mom. Like, don't sweat those things. Right. Yeah. But for the kid, it was hurtful because it was who wants to delete their mother. Like that's mm -hmm. what, that's what they're afraid of. Is they're yeah. afraid that someone's going to delete one of their parents. Mm -hmm. I have a situation you know. where the co-parent, like the mom refers to the dad as dad and the dad and his new wife will not acknowledge the mother's name. Like they don't call her mom. They don't even call her her first name. So they just call her, her. They don't even say like, your mom. I don't think so. So they'll be like, um, she's here for you. She's outside. And it's so, um, demoralizing for the kids. And it's really impacted their respect for their dad and their stepmom. And <sighs> when it's been brought up by like a lawyer or the therapist, they really do not get it. They're like, we're not calling her, you know, a foul word. We're not calling right. her, you know, and I just like, you don't understand when you stop treating their mother, like she's a person of value and she's their mother. Like her. Yeah. Right. You know, like this leaves a mark and this makes you look terrible. Right. And you know, I'm sure you've heard people say, well, someday, you know, like if there's been times your ex is ugly or whatever, somebody will say, well, someday they'll realize and in the moment when your kid's five or six years old and somebody says that, I always like, oh, just be quiet. They, they don't know. They're getting chipped away in this way. And it doesn't console me to think someday right. they're going to recognize this dynamic. But now that my kids are older, that is 100% true. And so kids know when their parents are not showing integrity, have a weaker link. And it doesn't mean that they need to hate that parent or that they need to be you know, dismissive or take away the time with them or anything, but they know, they know that this is a person who has this weak link and they will factor that in when it comes to valuing their opinion or when it comes down to two choices of who they're going to spend time with, it will come back to bite that parent.
and it might take years, but it will. I love what you said about showing integrity and being gracious because for me, without, you know, obviously we identified you're going to always teach them how to use your voice and you're going to use your own voice. But at the, at the end of the day, what really matters is being a person with integrity and grace because we want to teach our children how to do that. And like you said, down the road, which the road goes real fast, as I'm sure you're seeing, that's what they're going to know about you. They're going to know that you took, that, that we buy Father's Day gifts every year. We make cards and we do birthday because whether I feel it or not, I want them to see that we're doing it, that we're going to put dad's face on socks and give it to him because it's about them getting to see, how do you do this? Like, how do you manage this? You know what my son said to me when he was like eight? He goes, I hope when I get divorced, I have a really great ex-wife like you. And I was like, well, first of all, there's so many things in that message that I don't even know how to deal with. Like, I hope that that's not your situation, but oh, thank you, you know? Um, Oh, goodness. I literally could talk to you forever. Thank you so much for being on here. Oh, Um, I'm so happy to be here. I think this is a really important topic. I am going to start in September a webinar series that's free to parents. Oh, good. It is. It's weekly. Um, Our first one, I believe, is September 10th, and we are going to have different topics. It's not only going to be about divorce, but that is going to be um, a topic at some point. But I really encourage parents to sign up to the Zoom meeting, register for the meeting. If it's a topic that you feel is relatable for you, even if you don't attend the live part and you watch it later, great. Um, But I think it could be a good resource for parents. Also, in my second season of my podcast, I'm debating right now doing sort of like um, clumping some episodes together on a particular topic. And one of those topics, of course, is going to be navigating through divorce or separation as parents. So I do also have an upcoming episode this season with a divorce coach. She'll be up in a couple of weeks. And I also this season have um, an episode coming up with a lawyer, an attorney who specializes yes. in divorce. So, you know, this is something that it doesn't matter if you're two weeks into a separation or divorce or 10 years, yes. there's always stuff to learn, especially because your kids are always growing and learning. So yeah. I really encourage parents, like, just, just keep abreast of what's currently out there because it's going to benefit your kids and it's going to make you feel calmer and more in control when you yeah. feel really empowered with knowledge. Yes. And I'm going to be listening to your podcast. Um, tell us the name one more time. Uh, one day you'll thank me. One day you'll thank me. And I am a hundred percent going to be contacting you to set up a social media session because we need it. I will be bringing back Tara. She is amazing. Thank you, Dr. Tara. If any one of my listeners needs to get in touch with me for coaching or questions in your corner, coach at gmail.com. I hope you have an amazing day. Thank you. Thank you for your time. For any listeners out there who want help with divorce coaching, please contact me at inyourcornercoach at gmail.com. Remember, we get to write this next chapter for our kids, for ourselves, and the world around us. Have a great day.